pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Scored. scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. State of Origin has come and gone for another year, and a hearty congratulations must go to the Blues for their series victory, as hollow as it must feel. To explore exactly how hollow it is, I've got two staunch Blues fans, Daniel Friend and Miles Stedman, to discuss that and other things NRL. Should be a blast. A big hello to everyone that is listening, of course, and our regular listeners, Owen. We've got Annette, of course. Uh, we've got Kieran, who is not here with us, Kieran Gibson. He is currently uh, experiencing the spoils of his graduation from university with his friends. So, a big shout out to Kieran from all of us here at Above the Horizontal. Daniel Friend, you uh, you ride again. We've, we've had two dates in a row, but we've, we've got a third wheel tonight. Yeah, we're a thruple now, so got one of our one of our crew back, which is good. It's good to uh, hear the other man on the lines. I, I guess I'll let you introduce him, Bo. Yeah, Miles Stedman, welcome back. Uh, I don't mean to call you a third wheel. I think thruple is actually a bit nicer, don't you think? <laughs> no, I'm absolutely a third wheel. I, I know where I stand in this relationship. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a monogamous kind of guy. Um, and <laughs> you know what? My... My branching away from monogamy actually hurt me in the tips last week because I got seven out of eight. And usually I'm very, very staunchly against tipping the Broncos. But I tipped them and they cost me. So I got seven out of eight uh, last week. And my bold prediction was that Latrell Mitchell would score three tries in State of Origin. Um, <laughs> that didn't go to plan. Uh, I guess I'm kind of happy about that as a Queensland fan that he did not score three tries. Uh, he scored one, uh, making Dane Gagai look like... He was basically not there with a bit of a sidestep, and uh, and he got the one, but not the three. Miles, of course, you weren't here last week, and you you can't be bothered doing your tips anymore. So, uh, any bold predictions you want to lay claim to that maybe the Maroons are going to win by two points to make you extremely happy? <laughs> no, I um my, my bold prediction was Latrell Mitchell taking a uh, a a field goal from oh sorry a, a place kick from halfway and and just coming up short so um that's Ooh, well uh, done. absolutely yeah. yep that's a correct bowl prediction for me <laughs> very good uh you're off the nudie run and so is mr friend who got six out of eight you predicted that jack whiten would score a try and a try assist instead of origin mate you've done it i'm back i'm ready i'm, I'm off the nude run so yeah away we go plenty more to come for the year and starting again in round 19, I am sure. Uh, Jack Whiten, um, while, we're, while we're there, we will do a bit of a, a state of origin post-mortem, but a try and a try assist sounds like a really good game, but um, maybe maybe the halves sort of came up a little bit short for the Blues, Friendy. So even though you're probably happy with that result, it doesn't tell the full picture, does it? No, it certainly doesn't. I would have preferred a win and a 3-0 blue wash, uh, but yeah, alas, we... We, we'll stick with the bold prediction. At least I got that, I guess. That's, that is true. Now, guys, what did we learn from uh, round 18 or State of Origin? It could be either or. What I learned was that, as I sort of mentioned, I've learned not to trust the Broncos anymore in 2021. Next year might be a different story uh, with Adam Reynolds and Kurt Capewell et al. coming in. But they had no reason for folding the way they did against the Tigers, prompting me and Friendy last week to both tip them. 
uh, fool me once, shame on you, Broncos, but fool me twice. Well, that will not be happening this year. That's what I learned last week. Miles, what did you learn from your uh, weekend of watching footy? Well, I learned that Tom Trebojevic and, and Jan Stersko may be on a, an end-of-season encounter to decide the best player in the game. Um, Seagulls and the Roosters both look like finals certainties at this stage. Um, and even if Manly doesn't win the premiership, I, I think a, a points victory over Tedesco in, in a hypothetical finals game might be enough to convince the naysayers that um, Trebojevic is the world's best. He's obviously just won the Wally Lewis medal and dominated out of position, I might add, um, during State of Origin. So... I don't know. It's it's up for debate. I think obviously Tedesco has the premiership to, or two premierships to, um, to, to his name, and, and Trebovic has none. But it's he he's getting there. He absolutely is, and I mean at the moment, it's fair to say that Teddy was probably actually New South Wales's best on in game three. He got the player of the match in game two. So like it is it is neck and neck at the moment, and Tedesco probably keeps his spot from you know just legacy and he's playing really well too but geez turbo he's really pushing those buttons i'm i'm with you i, I probably oh i don't know who to lean towards uh but time will tell and if they do square up in the finals it'd be excellent friendy what did you learn from round 18 or origin 3 i learned from round 18 Bo, that uh ryan pappenhausen may not start when he comes back i think the form of nico hines has been absolutely outstanding shout out to nico who's a fellow your minor boy um nico's been since magic round he's been the starting halfback uh sorry the starting fullback for melbourne since then and i i can't fault his form at all i, I really don't know how bellamy could really justify getting Pappenhausen back in. Nico's had 16 try assists, six tries. He absolutely shredded my nights on the weekend. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how that all that jigsaw puzzle comes together, but I think Nico deserves his spot at the back at the moment, and Pappenhausen might find his way um, back through the bench. At the time of our recording, the team lists are just about to drop, so we will see how that goes because Pappenhausen is right about to come back, uh, and you're, you're dead right. By the way, Nico Hines, probably one of the best players in rugby league, especially in male rugby league. Has he always been like the best-looking person on the planet? Do you know? <laughs> uh, yes, he's. I'm sure his social media and Tinder and all those sorts of things would get a serious workout. Um, um, yeah, he used to do pretty well when he was living back at home. <laughs> that just uh, that sounds pretty wild. So let's go into the wildcard awards. Miles, what's your wildcard award for last week? Well, uh, look, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Men of League and, and Sportsbet, uh, as it were, for their their Try July initiative. Um, I think any time money is raised from charity is obviously cause for celebration, but. Um, Incorporating a Sally into a fundraising initiative is, a, I think, a stroke of genius from those two organisations. Um, and it's great to see all the players behind it. It's, obviously, it's a fantastic way to um, to celebrate the, the fun of rugby league. And there were some good Sellies last week. I think uh, your boy Hines was involved in, in one. Um, yeah, the shoey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. The booty, if you will. Booty, yeah, exactly. The cleaty. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, good, good call. Um, last I heard, it was it was about two hundred thousand dollars raised, and they've still That's got it, one yeah. more week to go. So, uh, fantastic stuff for the uh, Masoi. Uh, foundation, oh, you know, raising uh, money for him. That's that's uh, tremendous stuff, and and indeed fantastic work there. Thanks, Miles. Friendy, what is your wildcard award for last week? My wildcard award is the best Sledger award, and and I love this award. It goes to Cody Walker 
Um, <laughs> he he niggled our, our friend of the podcast, Lachlan Lewis, and <laughs> enough to have a, a massive brain explosion where he didn't even punch him. So it was a bit of a, a weird sort of sweep the leg and he still got 10 minutes. So that's that in my books, that means Cody wins. While he was <laughs> off the field... Uh, the Bunnies did score eight points. Cody laid on that try as well. And in the end, they ended up winning by eight points. So, yeah, best ledger award, Cody Walker. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what he said. Uh, I saw some sort of paywalled article by Buzz Rothfield, and I thought, yeah, I'm just going to stay away from that because it's probably not even remotely true. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, I am very curious, and I, like, I, I hope that it wasn't anything super offensive and it was more just a bit of a jab at playing abilities or something like that uh, because it, it certainly did the trick. You're dead right about that. And he has a bit of a reputation now, Cody Walker, for being a bit of a sledger. My... Yeah. Uh, my wildcard award this week is the Anthony Milford Award for a promising young fullback from Queensland who makes a name for himself playing for the Raiders, which goes to Xavier Savage, who has actually got a shoulder injury. We'll be out for the rest of the season, as it is, by the way. But he looks like an absolute live wire. It'll be interesting to see if he can fulfill his potential or show all the promise in the world, get homesick, almost single-handedly win a premiership in the game of your life, to have it stolen by a future immortal, future immortal someone like a like a Kyle Felt, uh, <laughs> then slowly watch your career fade into reserve grade and be on the scrap hit by his mid-20s. Time will tell, uh, but I do hope it goes well <laughs> as a Queenslander for Xavier Savage. And that was a little bit savage. Sorry to Anthony Milford there. Um, let's jump into someone else who can be a little bit savage. Mr. Gus Gould, who is well known in rugby league circles as a, a mediocre player, a, uh, a fantastic coach, one of the greats, particularly for the Blues. He's, he was the uh, the coach of your draft team, Friendy, when you put together your, your team. Yep. And it was a very fine choice. And he was a like a football manager. Is that what he, what his role was for the Warriors? It was something similar, like some sort of development officer or something like that. He was there for about a year, um, but because of COVID, he actually went to Auckland maybe twice during that time. Uh, that wasn't working out. He has just signed a a new deal with the Bulldogs to help develop their club, uh, to develop their junior systems, their coaching systems, and hopefully help them recruit some better players to the organization. That's probably the biggest news from this week, especially with the fact that the Bulldogs have been attached to Tavita Pangai Jr. and Paul Vaughan in the last little while, um, who would significantly strengthen their forward pack for next year. Miles, um, I wanted to just get a comment on, on this situation, particularly the fact that, I, I, I guess... Did he have much of an impact at the Warriors? And and do you think that this would be a good piece of business for the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's a great piece of business. Um, he's been the architect of, of some of um, the the Roosters and the Panthers' greatest spells of, of modern-day success. But he's, he's also New South Wales' most decorated head coach, of course. Um, he's Obviously, his rugby league resume sort of speaks for itself. And, you know, he was unable to sort of make an impact at the Warriors, obviously, due to the pandemic. But... I think the Bulldogs are certainly lucky to have him. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, what direction uh, the club takes once once his fingerprints become uh, more apparent on the, on the club, you know, will will they sort of stay the, uh, the vexing course that they've taken um, with uh, interesting recruitment? Yeah, of course, some of it good, but some of it very poor, Um, uh, more volume recruitment, I'd say than anything. Um, 
or, or will it deviate towards more of a, a juniors focused approach like the one that he took at the Panthers obviously Southwest Sydney is is um, rugby league very popular in that region um, and I, I'm not sure what the the bar- balance of power is like between them and and the the, the magpies juniors or, or the eels juniors to that to that point but yeah it, it'd be interesting to see which which direction he takes the club because he's 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 had it all. He's had the, um, you know, the cash-loaded um, teams of the the early and mid two thousands Roosters, and he's had the, um, you know, the the rich junior experience out at Penrith, where he helped uh, build that centre of excellence and and turn it into the the rugby league nursery they deserve out there. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting exercise. There is that that meme that sort of happened for a while there about, oh, it's the five-year plan, oh, it's the six-year plan, oh, it's the seven-year plan. Well, I don't really, as a Panthers fan, I'm, I'm not one of those, but if you're a Panthers fan, you probably don't care if it was five, six or seven years or 10 years, but it seems to have come to fruition and it's, it's certainly uh, starting to uh, build some traction and should lead to a premiership sometime soon for them, you would have thought. Friendy, do you agree with Miles this is obviously a, a good piece of business for the Bulldogs or is uh, is this going to be some trouble in, well, not paradise, trouble in Belmore, if you will? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be part of any trouble in Belmore, I don't think. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I think this is probably their biggest signing that I can remember uh, since I've been alive um, as a club. So Gus, obviously, he, he coached a premiership there. Um, I think it was his first mm. year coaching, to be honest. And... So he's obviously got ties to the club. He did play there as well. But I think what you've seen um, at he, him do at Penrith and then what they're talking about him trying to do at Canterbury, it's it seems to be a very similar thing. So what I do recall from when he first started at Penrith, he did bring in guys like Peter Wallace, Jamie Soward, Sam McKendry, guys that have played first grade. They were experienced enough to basically not run last or or in the bottom couple while he set up all the junior pathways and these guys all came through and and now you're seeing the the results of that out at Penrith um I I think it's a fantastic signing for the Canterbury club and and I see only positive I, I mean they're on the bottom of the ladder so what have they got to lose you're right, and they so they came fifteenth last year, narrowly uh, beating the Broncos away from the wooden spoon. It looks like they're locked in a in a fairly fierce battle for that wooden spoon again this year, and it, they may well get it. So the only way is up, and you would you would suggest that with the inclusion of Gould, with Barrett having an extra year to tinker his roster to whatever he wants it to be, uh, you know, getting guys like Matt Burton, Dufty, Addo Carr, Brent Naden. Uh, and potentially Tavita Pangai Jr., well, almost certainly Pangai Jr., and potentially Paul Vaughan. Uh, you'd say that the only way is up, but is it... A lot of people are talking about it potentially being a top eight side. Now, Friendy, is that is that premature speaking, do you think, with the, with the, with the roster they have at their hands? Definitely premature, in my opinion. Uh, I think the change won't happen overnight, that's for sure. So the the team that we did see sort of posted out today as a potential team on social media, I sort of made a bit of a comment there that it looks like there was sort of defensive frailties on the edges for them. The spine's unproven playing together. Um, there's not many like metres or yardage out of their back three. There's certainly some holes there. So while there's plenty of um, highlight reels from the guys they've they've signed, I'm not sure if it translates into an overall improvement 
all the way up to the top eight. They they may improve, and I, I, I said they'll sort of finish anywhere from, I don't know, 11th to 14th. So I think they'll improve, but but not drastically as some people may think. You mentioned the uh, the Peter Wallace and Jamie Soward type signings. Uh, Paul Vaughan probably... Well, Paul Vaughan and, and Tavita Pangai Jr. in terms of first-grade experience mm. fit that mould, but maybe not in terms of their checkered histories uh, with discipline. So, uh, do you do you see them as being good signings for the Bulldogs if they can get them at a at a reasonable price? Well, it depends on the price, I guess. And Vaughan's going to come as a cut rate um, sort of price player, so that that could be a good thing. I think he's going to have to pull his head in and try and be a bit of a leader there. Um, how much Gus had to do with those signings, I'm really not too sure. He's he's only sort of been there a, a week, so. I'm not sure if they were his signings, but I'm sure he'll be able to work with them. And if they do play up, uh, I'm, yeah, from what I've heard, they'll get a serious tongue lashing from from Gus. Oh, tongue lashing. That sounds fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Miles, uh, to get us back on target, uh, pretty much the same question. Do you see uh, Pangai Jr. and Paul Vaughan being the kinds of players that can help the Bulldogs towards the top eight? And with, with that roster that they've, seem to be assembling. Uh, do you reckon that is a top eight team? Uh, no, I don't, look, it, it could be. I, I'm not sure. Um, the, the, you know, it, it yet to be seen. But, look, I, I wouldn't want to be setting that um, that precedent from the outset that um, uh, uh, this is the kind of culture that the club's looking to build. Um, and it, it should be added as well. You know, obviously, Matt Dufty, not a, a perennial rule backer, but, uh, you know, a, quite a large... Uh, violation of, of trust uh, against the rugby league community in, in joining Paul Vaughan and 11 of his teammates in that um, that function that they held at, at Vaughan's house. Um, and, you know, there are other guys in there as well. Naden, um, who, who also, I think, broke COVID protocols and, and of course, uh, was, was ruled out of... Um, was, was he ruled out of the grand final due to a, a drug test? I think it was. So I think it was after. After. after, the grand final. after yeah, he, he was after. put on the bench for the grand final. So I, I feel like there was some yeah, situation right, yeah. there because Tyrone May played in the centres. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 friend is right. It did come out after the grand final. But you're right. Another check at history. Yeah, you know, there's a, there there is a lot of it uh, up and down that roster. So it's and they're as as we've mentioned, they're far cries from the likes of uh, Sam McKendry, Peter Wallace, uh, Jamie Sout, who are all you know rugby league do-gooders throughout their um, career in the in the sport. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, they've obviously got a great on-field lead, maybe the best on-field leader in the league there with Josh Jackson. But it'd be interesting to see whether the culture that they've that prevails at the club now, whether it's good enough or whether it needs to improve or, or, or how that's going to shake out because it's a, um, yeah, it's not the most likable roster I've ever laid eyes on. <laughs> that's true. I do like, uh, I do like the call, uh, best on field leader, Josh Jackson. I, I, um, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but he, he's the kind of guy that would be there. And <laughs> you jokingly mentioned that he would be the kind of guy that would have played 38 Origins for Queensland. But you're fucking <laughs> right, Nate. You're fucking right. He would have played 30 Origins for Queensland. <laughs> Nate Miles played 30 Origins for Queensland. Josh Jackson probably plays 50. Um, <laughs> but I, I digress. Like, I, I tend to agree with both of you. I think, as we saw with the Knights, the Knights is probably a very good recent example of a team that were just absolute bottom feeders and they really had to to work their way up and it took a long time and the Bulldogs have been there for a few years now. Now you get a few talented kids like your Matt Burton, 
or your Kalen Ponga, you know, uh, get your experienced players, maybe with a checkered history, like a Mitchell Pierce, and you start to build a team around these guys, great, they're winning more games, they are more competitive, and 11th is a shitload better than last for three years in a row. But they're still not a top eight team, and they had to actually keep persevering with that roster for a couple of years, keep building it to make it the top eight team that it probably is again this year, uh, which we'll talk about very soon. Um, I did very briefly mention Josh Jackson would have played 30 games of Origin for Queensland. Let's shift gears into State of Origin Game 3, which came out... Well, it happened last Wednesday, and as it turned out, Queensland won 20 points to 18, defeating New South Wales. It was a absolute clinic from Ben Hunt, particularly at dummy half. And Friendy, uh, you and I mentioned that him moving to dummy half was a good move for Queensland. Uh, no disrespect to Andrew McCulloch, but he's just not quite as good as Ben Hunt. I, I, I did not expect him to play that well, though. How did, did, did he sort of blow you away as well? Yeah, he did, but it, he was outstanding, wasn't he? He's um, obviously offers them that uh, much more potency out of dummy half and uh, him linking up with his forwards, getting him rolling onto the ball behind the markers. I thought it made a massive difference to how uh, T- Big Tino played and Josh Papali and even Christian Welch. And yeah, he, he just he was man of the match for mine by a long way. So um, yeah, he was, he was really good. It wasn't even wasn't even close, really. And Kalen Ponga did make a, a big difference. Miles, uh, did you see a different Queensland outfit with, well, obviously the inclusion of Ponga, uh, but, you know, Cherry Evans and Munster playing maybe a little bit more comfortably as well with Ben Hunt really guiding that forward pack around from dummy half? No, I didn't. Um, I, I saw a much worse New South Wales team. No offence. Um, but I th- I, actually, I thought... Queensland could have played a lot better. Um, uh, you guys know, I think my thoughts on Ponga. I, I didn't think he was a game changer. I, I stand by that. Um, Hunt was obviously excellent, but best on ground, as you said, by far. But I thought New South Wales were embarrassingly flat. And um, I don't know whether it's. Um, I love to, to always point to, to Freddie as the problem. I don't know whether it was the coaching or not, or whether they were not up for it or perhaps taking it but you saw them taking it very easy during practice during the week and you know freddie does like to do that but they just did not seem up for um the the enormity of what a, a whitewash would mean and they said all the right things of course they were all very well media trained as as freddie is himself but um the the combination of you know maybe 11 guys who had tried very hard through game one and game two and maybe wanted to take it a little bit easier in game three with a, a very poor halves combination um, by choice and on the field, um, it combined to a quite a beatable New South Wales team. And if anything, I said I think it speaks to how poorly Queensland played that they still almost lost the game. So you just to jump on the back of that, there you primarily laid the blame for Game Three's loss at the feet of Brad Fittler. Absolutely. And, and what what could he have done? better to uh to prevent said loss well um he's he, he's certainly uh, a far better uh, football coach than i'll ever be so you know tactically or, or or selection or whatever but um i mean I, I think everyone in new south wales is thinking the obvious thing why didn't you just choose adam reynolds and cody walker i mean they've like they've they've both you know, they live with chips on their shoulders. Obviously, Reynolds has just been dumped by his boyhood club, and and Walker sort of not having really made it in the big time until later in his career. They 
an excellent halves combination. Fantastic um, chemistry on the field. Uh, they're both, as we've seen this week, Walker uh, really gets under your skin uh, on the field, and, and Reynolds does to a little bit of an extent in this as well. And they've both they've both got a good origin history. You know, Walker has obviously that that day de- that awful debut behind him, but he he played excellent last year. And, and Reynolds, I didn't think do did did nothing wrong during his one series of origins. So. That was really, really the obvious choice, and I think Freddie tried as almost as hard as he could to not pick those two. Which, as a Rabbitohs hater, I absolutely love. But as a Blue, I um, I'm a bit dirty on him for it. And uh, come to think of it, you know, Luai out. Who's the closest like-for-like replacement for Luai? It's Walker, right? Exactly. Uh, with Cleary out, who's the closest like-for-like? I mean. I think probably just Reynolds over Moses. Yeah. Um, so, and plus the combination, what's the closest like for like? Friendy, do you share the vitriol that Miles has for the New South Wales coach and selectors? I, I don't because I like Freddie and, and I do like Greg Alexander, Danny Badiris, etc. But I totally agree with what Miles was saying uh, selection wise. I think yeah, Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker. It was just a, it was a lay down misere. You just pick them. You've got Damian Cook at hooker, Cameron Murray on one side, Latrell Mitchell the other side. I mean, mm. I, I don't know what they're thinking, and I don't understand this. We need a, a backup. We need to see someone that can cover for Nathan Cleary and and, and all that sort of. I, I don't understand it. it. The game's on the line. You can win three nil. Win the game. Forget about next year. Freddie might not be coached next year. Who knows? Like, uh, just the game's in front of you. Win the game. Pick the best team. And, and they didn't do that. And, and to be honest, they deserve to lose. That was pretty much the only real contentious selection, wasn't it? Although there was another change in the sense that Sayafidi was unav- uh, unavailable. Now, they've replaced uh, a big man with a very experienced and a very excellent middle player in Dale Finucane. Uh, I'll start with you, Friendy. In hindsight, do you think it would have been a better move to go with another big man or perhaps start with Payne Haas, like you suggested uh, before the game? Or are you happy enough with, with replacing with Finucane as they did? No, I, th- I think they should have started Payne Haas. Or I, I can understand them picking Finucane, but I think he should have been uh, on the bench and, and Payne Haas should have started. Payne Haas more similar to Dan Safidi where they're big body, they can get that quick play the ball. Um, Fanukin's a worker, really good defender, and, and potentially every now and again can come up with a quick play the ball, but certainly doesn't have the leg speed of the other two. Or, yeah, I, I, I think they got that wrong as well. And, and as I said, I, yeah, they've, they've had a bit of a shocker there. Uh, Miles, you're, you're a big fan of, of Dale Fanukin, as am I. Um, do you agree with Friendy there that maybe he was best served off the bench and starting with uh, the two big boppers in, in Paulo and Haas? Uh, look, I, I, I certainly would have started with... Uh, mm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, obviously for me, Payne Haas starts. I think, again, that's one of those things that New South Wales is united on. But I don't know. I was, I, I was happy with Finucane starting. Um, uh, that said, I've, I've also got my little red line through Paulo, so that, that speaks volumes as well. Um <laughs> But look, in terms of another prop, I would have gone in a, a direction like maybe um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I've met, mentioned Matt Lodge before. Um, Yutoi Kamano was really good on the weekend for the Tigers, and Regan Campbell Gillard is yeah, uh, is like for like, yeah, with yeah, Safidi. Yeah, even yeah, Kalama Matanga. I know he's he's not a prop, but he, he he's a a big man and will probably move to the to the middle from the edge later on in his career. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't have. Um, yeah, 
I, I didn't hate it, but um, especially given Fanukin was good, I thought. But I mean, that's yeah. That, Fanukin's Fanukin's never played less than a seven out of ten game. If we're being real, um, yeah. he's 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 just one of those sort of guys. So look, I, I personally didn't mind it. Um, I. And I liked him being vice captain, by the way, too. I think he's a he's a he's an absolute gun. Um, let's talk about Mitchell Moses now. Friendy uh, pre-game, we spoke about the idea that he does run a little bit sideways. He is susceptible to inside pressure from defenders. Uh, but what we want to see from him is strong tackles, strong kicking game, and running the ball. Now he made his tackles, he made his kicks. Didn't find too much turf too often. Um, but he did not run the ball at all, uh, barely ever. And a lot of that service that he was giving to his outside players like Tabrojevic was far too early and allowed people like Hamaso Tabuai Fido, who is not a known defender, or um, Brimson, who was marking Tabrojevic, who never plays in the centers. They handled him fairly comfortably for most of the game. So, Friendy, let's talk about Mitchell Moses. Are we? Are we... Obviously, we're disappointed with his effort, but... Can we can we rain down some some vitriol on on Mr. Moses or do we give him another chance maybe in the future? No, get Miles' big red pen out and, and scratch it across <laughs> his name. So I think yeah, he's. I, I just don't understand how uh, sort of I guess amateur armchair critics like ourselves can predict something like that where he does run sideways, he does run backwards. It's not suited to Origin. And yet he gets picked for to represent our state. I, I just I can't fathom it. I still can't get over that he was selected. Uh, we said what would happen, and I'm just really surprised that they seemed so. Um, I can't even. They seem so surprised that it did happen, but we can all see it. Pre, like prior to it happening, uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very lost and I'm very disappointed. But yeah, uh, can we talk about that? We won the series now. <laughs> <laughs> we cer- we certainly can. Uh, so unfortunately, that's the that's the nature of this sort of thing, isn't it? That uh, yeah. you know, like it's a two one victory to New South Wales. They lost last year, so this is this is a big thing for them. It's three out of the yeah. last four. Um, and before before we do jump into it, I do just want to slide Kieran's little wild card in here, though, because I think it's sort of indicative of the tone of what we're talking about. His wild card award is the 50-50 calls never go 100% our way. It's just so unfair award, which goes to Freddie Fittler. The man would honestly complain about the coin toss. The 50-50 coin <laughs> toss didn't go our way. That's where the game was decided by the officials. Sutton threw the coin so that it could only land Queensland's way, and it proved fatal. That was Kieran. He was having a red hot go at you, blokes, um, and and about Freddie Fittler, who who did have some complaints. There was a, a uh, at best, let's say, fifty fifty call about a, a ponga knock on pretty late in the game. Um, so, you know, like you've just won the series. You won two one. You didn't win last year. Your job was on the line last year. He probably shouldn't have even coached this year, to be fair. And it's three out of four. Maybe the starting of a dynasty. And you're complaining about the referees in the in the press conference because the the wind feels kind of soured, doesn't it? Uh, like Miles, you you came in full of bluster about how how poor New South Wales were, not really noticing that Queensland were much better. It was more that New South Wales were so poor. You just won the series. Like how how are you feeling? <laughs> well, look, I'm I'm feeling good about winning the series, but I think it's I think it's indicative of how frustrated people are at, at 
Hitler's random selections or, you know, uh, parachuting in of guys he likes. Um, I, I think, look, as much as we all want to give Filler the credit for um, putting together this three or four, um, there is some... Th- th- he just does weird things. And I, I think that um, the, the way that the state sees it, and it might be just my opinion, but I think the way the state sees it is that there could have been even more success. We could have, we should be looking at four from four, really, if not for and 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 the whitewash to boot, um, if not for just some weird selections, tactics, whatever you want to call it, from from Brad Fittler. So, look, I know it's a really big call and probably a little bit disrespectful, but I, I, and obviously the media is one hundred percent behind Fittler because the media loves him. He's the, the media is his, his friends, his teammates, his adversaries. Um, but it, for, right now, I'm I'm really battling with whether Fittler is the architect of this three from four or more of a an adversary to even have more success, potentially. Well, it's a good point you make. I mean, New South Wales simply have had better teams in the last four years. Like It's, it's simply like they've had, if not better teams, more depth, way more depth. And last year was an abomination that New South Wales didn't win that series. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Like, and, and a lot of credit goes to Cameron Munster, Tino Faisal Maliawi, a lot Wayne of the bit, bit part players, but Wayne Bennett. Right, and Brad Fittler just doesn't have that. He doesn't have that cut through. Friendy, are, are you sort of picking up what Miles is putting down there? I mean, like you guys, yes, you you won a series. How are you feeling about that? And are you still kind of thinking, even though you just won and you've won three out of four, are you also doubting the capabilities of the the uh, the hierarchy? I suppose. I think where he's fallen down is actually loyalty. So. Jack Whiten has obviously been in the team. Mitch Moses has been in and around the system, and they were basically next man up. So they haven't actually looked at what the game needed, and they've just gone, right, well, we're going to be loyal to the guys we should be loyal to, and just forgotten about how selecting actually works. And you're trying to pick the best player for the, the best like for that role, and unfortunately, they've they've picked the wrong people. So, whether or not Freddie's the man for the job, I think he is right now. Um, he seems to have the respect of the players, which I think is important. Mm. So, and I think that is through that loyalty as well. So, he may be loyal to a fault. Uh, maybe that's where he's fallen down. I guess. And uh, look, realistically, he's just won a series. Like, even if he isn't the right coach, he's not getting sacked for next year uh, unless he has a change of circumstances. So uh, you you will be having him for a fifth consecutive series with with the cattle that you have at your disposal and with the series win that you just had. Um, are you both pretty confident that New South Wales has what it takes to get the job done, Friendy? Are you to start off with? Are you you does the, does the Queensland win sort of put some doubts in your mind about next year, or, or are you guys pretty confident? If Nathan Cleary is fit, we win. End of. If he's not fit, then it'll be close. So it, it, it basically boils down to the fitness of one player. Um, yep. Miles, do you, do you agree? Well, I, I think it also boils down to the fitness of Jerome Luai too. There's been a, a real change in Cleary since he joined the team as well. But I, I think Friendy's mostly right. But that said, uh, Queensland were were not fit at all this series. Um, they were missing um, Harry Grant, uh, Kalen Ponga for parts of. Um, 
uh, and a lot of other uh, Christian Welsh. I think Mr. Lindsay Collins. We, we've almost forgotten about him. He was just about Queensland's best forward last year. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a ton of names we've seen from Queensland too. Um, and I, I think it'll be. A, I, I think with both teams fit, it'll be a lot closer than probably some Blues would like to admit. Um, and you know, I don't know whether Queensland's going to make a change at head coach or not. Um, will they give Slater the job or? Or keep Paul Green back him. He he has improved um, the the Queensland team through his three games, even if hasn't been <laughs> by all that much. Um, <laughs> but you know they might give him another crack. So I, I think it's down more to what Queensland does, whether New whether uh, as opposed to what New South Wales does, because as you say, Fitler's not going anywhere, and then unless God forbid he gets another first grade job. Um, so yeah, it'd be, I, I think it'll be pretty close next year, to be honest. Is it concerning? Uh, Miles, that, and this seems to be the case in uh, maybe the last five or so years. If the game is all going New South Wales' way, they look amazing. They look like 10 out of 10 world stars. Every single player is playing out of their skin. They hit 50 points, they did 26 nil. I remember one a couple of years ago, it was a game one game where Fafita ran riot and it was like 30 to something or it was crazy, right? And then Queensland won the series because once once the actual dogfight happens and if Queensland can stay in the dogfight, maybe New South Wales have a couple of decisions that go against them. Queensland tends to win those games, those close ones. You know, in recent times, if it's been close, it's been Queensland. Does that concern you about the the ticker of the of the New South Wales team miles? Uh, not really. I mean, each series is its own thing. I mean, obviously you have players carrying over, but I, I think it's. Um, I think right now, to be honest, I think New South Wales has that more about them. They they have the talent and skill to make things to go their way. And yes, Queensland have had that historically, but it's not so much that I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm concerned about just being outplayed by a team that's probably not quite as talented, but still very, very talented. It's still state of origin we're talking about. It's still. Mm the best players in the state um I, i'm concerned about my number one concern about stage of origin is fitler being out coached just like he was in spades by wayne bennett last year and you know he, he wasn't by paul green this year but you know who, who knows who comes along for queensland and you know they all get them all fit and firing at the right time of year and maybe new south wales has an injury or two maybe tedesco misses or trobovic or, or god forbid cleary but yeah, Fittler is my number one um, roadblock to success for, for New South Wales. And um, Queensland have that about them to change it, you know, whether Slater's is the right appointment or whether they can convince Wayne Bennett to, to come out of retirement again, who knows? But, yeah, that's that's what it rests on for me. Freddie, same, same question. Are you concerned about uh, New South Wales' inability in recent times to put away the close game? Um, no, I think that's where Cleary comes in as well. So if, I guess if he's fit, uh, it makes a big difference with his kicking game. And what's really underrated about about Nathan Cleary is his running game. So he can actually sort of create a bit of momentum for the team when he takes a line on. Jerome Luai, for a guy that played two games, oh my God, he was just extremely calm as well under pressure. So um, he was a bit of an energizer as well for the team. So I think that could get them up in a tough situation. Um, I think, yeah, it's just... A lot about fitness and and who's got the best team at the time, and I think if those two guys are, especially Nathan, I think we yeah we'll make a a much better fist of it in those tight games. 
I tend to agree with you. Okay, well, thank you very much, guys. Uh, and congratulations, of course, to New South Wales, who had a, a very fine series victory. Unfortunately, slightly soured by the, the third game loss. But considering they played all three games in Queensland, they, they simply were a class above the Queensland opponents that they had to face. So, And they can only play against who they play against. And for the first couple of games, they were completely dominant. So... Uh, you know, credit where it's due. New South Wales absolutely deserved that victory. Well done to you guys. You get bragging rights for this year. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll look forward to next year where Paul Green somehow springs a mastermind effort. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a short break. Uh, we're going to hear from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast with possibly the most out of date ad you're ever going to hear because we're about seven episodes into our new season and the ad is still talking about the upcoming season uh this this coming week uh my co-host and i dan will be talking about dookie the 1994 album by green day uh so that was dan's recommendation that he wanted to get into me so that'll be worth hearing Uh, and at halftime we're going to talk about our predictions for the top eight this year as we're starting to shape up towards the end of the season so back soon If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Daniel Friend and Miles Stebman, and we are going to dive into our top 8 predictions for this season where it's up to round 19 so it's a 25 round season so a lot of the a lot of the top eight is pretty much already starting to take shape i feel like the top five or six is pretty much a, a foregone conclusion with some maybe some variation amongst those numbers uh, but the the real interesting part is probably six seven eight maybe seven and eight uh where all these teams are gonna going to come in and all these different permutations so i'm curious to hear the thoughts of everybody else uh first of all friendy do you reckon the storm are going to hold on and get the minor premiership or do you think it could go to somebody else no i do have melbourne on top but i think i was doing my ladder predictor on the nrl website which is a bit of fun for those who want to have a crack at it um yeah i do have melbourne on top uh, I think they they yeah, well and truly claimed the minor premiership. I think I had them in front by about four points by the end, so I can't see them getting beaten um, from here on out. So I guess we'll see if that comes to fruition. Kieran also had them four points in front on the minor premiership. I have them on the minor premiership as well. Miles, you're the biggest contrarian I know. Did you also <laughs> land on the storm in front or have you got a different direction? Well, I might add mine is, is far less scientific than, than yours. Um Kieran and uh, sorry, Kieran, uh, Bowen and, and Friendy. Um, I didn't do the ladder predictor, um, which I probably will. But um, yeah, I, I had I had Storm leaps and bounds above above the rest of the competition as well. Especially now with uh, Cleary out for what looks like probably the rest of the year. 
All right, so Miles, do you the regular season? I should add. Re- of course, yes, you're, you're quite right, and and Luai's going to be out for a little while too, so that's a that's a big miss for them. Although Tyrone May looked really really good at times uh, on the weekend, I thought. But anyway, I digress. Um, speaking of the Panthers, uh, let's let's round out the rest of the top four. So Miles, you've got the Storm at number one. What's what's the rest of your top four like? So I had the Panthers in second, the Rabbitohs in third, and I had the Eels in fourth. Okay, and Friendy, that sounds pretty common sense. Is is that where you landed as well? I've got Penrith at two, Rabbitohs at three, the same as Miles, but I've got the Roosters jumping up into fourth spot. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that is interesting, uh, given that they've got uh, a number of injuries. Uh, mm. That was... Uh, you, you said you did, did the ladder predictor. Were you as surprised by yes. that as I am? Yeah, I didn't expect that to happen at all. Um, I thought they'd be about fifth or sixth. And to be honest, they probably want to avoid playing Melbourne in the first week of the finals. So who knows? But they may rest some players in some of those games. But just based on the ladder predictor, yeah, their draw doesn't look all that hard coming home. Very interesting. Uh, Kieran had exactly the same as you, Miles. He had Storm, Penrith, Rabbitohs, Eels. Mine was a little bit different. I, I did the ladder predictor as well. So I did the Storm, Panthers, Rabbitohs. We all agree on that. I've got the Seagulls jumping into fourth. Um, it's mo- mace- mostly on points difference. I didn't bother adjusting the points difference on all the games. Uh, I thought that was a bit too much work. Um, so maybe they jump in above the Roosters into fourth place. Um, suffice to say, though, Miles, do you have the Roosters in the top six? Just after so you six, with after the Seagulls at five. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So I've got Roosters, Eels, five, six. Friendy, I'm guessing you have uh, maybe Eels, Seagulls, or Seagulls, Eels. Yeah, Seagulls, Eels for me in five and six. Interesting that the Eels have have dropped so much. Uh, is is that? It seems like they have a bit of a, a tough draw heading into the heading into the finals. I'm afraid. Yeah, so they have a couple of um, of the bigger sides, I guess, coming home. And I think over the last few years, they've sort of proven that they don't really go very well against them. So I've tipped the the other sides to beat them. They they do play the Roosters next week. um, And there's another, they play Souths the week after. So yeah, the next couple of weeks. And then they've got Manly after that as well. I'm just looking now. So they've, yeah, they don't have the easiest run home at all. And um, yeah, I've got them sliding down to sixth. Yeah, which would be a, a real disappointment for them. So, uh, Kieran also has the Seagulls and the Roosters, although he has the Roosters sliding down to seventh. That looks like it's on points differential. Uh, so, basically, we all have we all have the same six players, I uh, say six teams rather, that should definitely feature in the finals. So, the the real interesting part comes down to those last two. Now, Friendy, you're a you're a vocal Knights fan. Do you expect the Knights to sneak into the top eight? I have. There may be some bias there. So I've got the Knights and the Warriors as my seventh and eighth team. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, that's a that's a hot run for the Warriors. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've I've landed on them twelfth in the ladder predictor, but that might have included the Cowboys beating them. So, you know, a bit of bias there too. Um, <laughs> but okay, so talk me through the Warriors, because that's um especially with Torhu Harris now being out for the rest of the season, I believe. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be a hell of a run for Nathan Brown's men. Yeah, it will be. So I, I must have 
doing the ladder predictor, I must have just picked the most games, I guess. Uh, that's what it came out with at the end. So I do really like the Warriors as a side. I think they, they have a lot of ticker, um, which is something you wouldn't normally associate with a Warriors team, but I think this side does. So, um, yeah, I, I guess on get on the back of Reese Walsh and see what he can create, and, and hopefully they can slide into the eight. As, as for the Knights, obviously, uh, you know, Ponga, Pierce, and then just oh, Clifford's playing some good footy too. Get them behind that forward pack. That's the key to success for them. Yeah, it certainly is. I think we need Mitchell Pierce back as soon as possible. Uh, we've got the Roosters this week, so I, I don't expect us to win this week. But then from there, we do have a pretty soft run home. I think we've got Brisbane twice, uh, p- potentially Canterbury and, and a couple of other sides in there, the Titans. And yeah, so realistically, we should be expecting to win sort of four or five games coming home. All right, cool. Um, Miles, do you share any similarities with, with Friendies? Uh, do you have the Knights <laughs> and the Warriors? I don't. Um, at the Warriors, I think 14th or 15th. So um, no is the answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's probably, <clears throat> and that said, Friendies the one who's done the ladder predictor and I haven't. So, you know, it's probably much more accurate than mine. But I think it's probably about um, realistically for the, the top eight, probably four teams for two spots. And... Mm-hmm. Just on my feel for how they're both playing at the moment, I've gone with the Raiders in seventh and the Sharks in eighth. Um, Ricky Stewart, you know, as much as I dislike him, he he is doing good things toward the back end of the year. The Raiders are playing better, um, and the Sharks. I, I think they've I've seen a real change in them after the return of Sean Johnson. I know they lost on the weekend, but um, I think he's the real X factor in that team that will turn them into a, an, from an also run into a, a finals team, probably out first week, but still good enough to make the finals. Um, and hell, look, they should be galvanised by how how frustrated the rugby league community is at their team. And, and hell, even the team itself should be insulted by how their head coach was treated. So, you know, maybe they, uh, they don't want to make the finals, who knows? But at the same rate, you know, it, it'd be good to see them go on and make it in a way. Um, and then in, in ninth, I had the I actually had the Titans, who I think are, you know, yes, they're um, they're probably the most unpredictable team in the the league right now. But I, I think that from memory, they have a little bit of a soft run home. And then the the Knights in tenth, who you know, I think last time I was on this podcast, I picked them to make the top eight. But since then, it's uh, it's been a bit of a different story. So, you know, the best of luck to them because as as Friendy said, I think if they get Mitchell Pierce back and he's firing it, it could be a different story, and they could very well go on to to make the eight. But right now, I've got them in tenth at least. The Raiders are one of those teams. So, so Friendy, did you? Uh, you would have had a, a team in ninth. Was that the the Raiders by any chance, or the Sharks? It ended up being St. George. Oh. So, yeah, I had the Dragons in, in ninth spot. So, I'm not sure if my uh, my NRL predictors, it's maybe it's got uh, COVID or something like that. But I guess, I guess we'll see in a few weeks' time. <laughs> COVID, but one of the symptoms, of course, is not being able to uh, to predict rugby league. So, actually, I should go and get tested. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, okay, interesting. So, that, that would be a very disappointing season for the Raiders. And even if even if Miles is right and they come, came in seventh or eighth, that is still a very disappointing season uh, for the Canberra Raiders with the roster that they had at their disposal. But, um, very interesting. Kieran came up with... Let me just find Kieran's. Kieran came up with... So he had the the Knights in sixth, 
the Roosters in seventh and the Raiders in eighth. That all that all makes sense to me, uh, to an extent. Um, maybe the Roosters are a bit low there. For mine, it was seventh Knights, eighth Sharks, but the Raiders are right there on points difference. So I mean, you know, as I said, I didn't pay much attention to points difference. That is so unpredictable as it is. So all of these. I think, long story short, and Miles, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There probably are about four or five teams there that we've all mentioned that really have to try and squeeze into it. You know, the the, the square peg into the round hole. You know, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to to see who prevails at the moment. I tend to agree with you, Miles, that the Raiders are looking pretty hot, but their their run home isn't the easiest. I thought the Knights actually had quite a fortunate run home, and if they do have Pierce and Ponga at their disposal behind that forward pack, I, I think they will get the job done. The Sharks, they're just one of those teams, you know, that you can't discount the Sharks because for 50 or 60 minutes every week, they'll probably turn up a pretty decent performance, and that might be enough to beat teams like the Cowboys and Titans. So, um, And I had, of course, the Cowboys coming fifth. Um but that's that's just no. They I, I had them tenth, and that's with heavy bias. So so I'm I'm not holding out much hope for the Cowboys. Uh, so long story short, we can definitely expect to see the Storm, Panthers, Rabbitohs, Sea Eagles, Roosters, Eels. They're all going to be there or thereabouts. Three out of four of us predicted that the Knights would make it, and then from there it's a bit of a shit show. Uh, two of us predicted Sharks. Uh, one of us predicted Raiders, and one of us predicted the Warriors. So, five teams into two spots. Who's going to make it? We're not sure. Uh, but thanks very much, guys. That was, that was fun. Let's stick around, and we're going to get into the round 19 predictions. Just back in one moment. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name's Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Miles Stebman and Daniel Friend. We're going to be talking about round 19, which, of course, is being played entirely in the Sunshine State. Um... And to start us off, on Thursday evening, from Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast, we have the Eels and the Raiders. Please, Miles. So, um, Moses out of this clash. Uh, it's been confirmed. I've just been updating in NRL.com. He has a back fracture. Um, he's tough oh. that in, in Game 3. So, uh, Jacob Arthur, again, um, at halfback for the Eels. Um, they they do get Junior Polo back. Um, um and also, Blake Ferguson will, will be playing again this week. Um, first time since uh, week 12, um, I am told. Um, and for the Raiders, White and sidelined by a rib injury. Um, and, of course, unfortunately, um, young Xavier Savage, who um, looked good. Uh, he is, he's, of course, gone for the rest of the season, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. So they'll have Jordan Rapana at fullback um, and Matt Frawley, 5'8", who I believe uh, appeared for the Bulldogs last season or season before that. Um so it's an interesting, um, interesting dynamic, this game. Um, the Raiders really limping into this one, um, while obviously the Eels picking up speed at the right time of the season. Um, so it doesn't really beg well for what I said about the Raiders about five minutes ago. But, um, hell, look, they've, uh, the Eels have alleviated basically any concerns that I had um, regarding how they'd go without Mitchell Moses, who still seems to be the, the straw that, that stirs that drink. So I, I am tipping the Eels in this one. The straw that stirs that drink. I like that. Um, I haven't heard actually, one before. No, I haven't. That's uh, oh, okay. Friendy, is that a familiar one for you? Yeah, like the, the conversation starter at the party. Yep. Uh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I guess I just don't go out enough or talk to enough people. You guys are my only friends. Um, 
<laughs> I was actually really impressed with the Eels uh, with Reed Marnie back in. He just he, he seems to just make that that clock tick. If I don't know, I was trying things. Um, <laughs> so he stirs that drink with the straw. Um, so yeah, Mitchell Moses less important. I thought Dylan Brown really stepped up as well against the Titans, and Reed Money was very good. I'm going to go for the Eels, Friendy. Where do you land on this one? Yep, the strawless Eels for me. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have laughed like that. Okay, um, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the next game, which is on Friday evening. Friendy, you'll be talking about your Knights, who are playing technically away against the Roosters from Sunshine Coast Stadium at 6 o'clock. Yes, up at the Sunshine Coast. So, James Tedesco, obviously back, and he'll skip of the Roosters. Uh, Josh Morris has been, interestingly, I don't know if he's been dropped or rested. I haven't really heard yet, but generally they say rested when it's someone of, of his vintage. So, he'll uh, <laughs> Joey Manu and Billy Smith will be in the centres, and also Siwa Taukeaho will be back for the Roosters as well, because he's a big inclusion. Um, Daniel Saifidi will come back into the front row. He was close last week, but they opted to rest him again, so... Big in for us. Mitchell Pierce is obviously out. And thank the Lord, they've dropped Lachlan Fitzgibbon. So, um, I don't think it'll help all that much, and I'll be tipping the Roosters. I also will be tipping the Roosters. I'm curious about the Lachlan Fitzgibbon thing. You watch Knights games a lot more closely than I do. Is that a, a defensive deficiency that you're concerned about with his game? Yeah, so he's just always pointing at people and whinging, and it's just some everything seems to be someone else's job. Um, he has minimal carries out of yardage. He only wants the ball when we get in the opposition red zone. So, um, and, he, and when Bradman Best is fit, he gets in his way constantly. So, yep, see you, Lockie. Um, sorry that you've been dropped, and I know your dad is our the boss of our major sponsor, NIB, but I think it's time. Our friend of the podcast, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Uh, <laughs> just, um, we, we, we wish you well. Shout out to you. Um, even even more loyal listener than Annette. Uh, I, I, I too am going for the Roosters. Miles, uh, where do you land? Yeah, Roosters for me too. Alrighty. Uh, I'm going to take the next game, which is between the Cowboys and the Storm from the Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. It's it's one of those situations. I actually quite liked Hamaso's game at fullback last week. Uh, it, the thing that I liked the most is that he sometimes gets pigeonholed as a guy that only sprints well, but he was heavily involved last week. Two hundred and seventy three meters gained and a lot of defensive efforts. I thought so. That was that was nice to see. They've moved Murray Tawalangi into the centres to accommodate the one hundred ninety six centimeter beanstalk from. The West Tigers, Kane Bradley, who they're throwing onto the wing for his NRL debut. Um, uh, and Reese Robson had a really good game last week in, in, a, in a beaten side. He played the full 80, which was interesting. It meant that Jake Granville sort of came on. They sort of rotated as dummy halves on the field, which was pretty cool. Um, as you alluded to, Friendy, uh, Pappenhausen has been named, but he's been named on the bench for the Storm. Nico Hines... Immovable. You can't you can't move him right now. He's he's one of the form fullbacks in the comp as we speak. Pappenhausen was that before he got injured, but uh, that's just the the depth of riches for the Storm. Uh, they're resting Cameron Munster. Cooper Johns gets a game. Um, uh, Del Finucane also unavailable uh, with a with a HIA, so he he won't be there. And Felice Cafusi will also be resting. Um, they they just. They, they can rest as many people as they want. Cameron Munster is one of the best players in the world. They rest him. 
and they're going to win by 30. Um, it's just, they're just too good, the Storm. So I'm, I'm going to go with them. Friendy, are you also going to go with the Storm? Yeah, I will be going with the Storm. Uh, and I, I think, like you said, 30 could be, yeah, could be the on the, the easy side, I guess. Yeah, the best-looking person in the world, Nico Hines, for five tries, probably. <laughs> um, well, actually, I as a preseason bold prediction, I predicted that Dean Iremia, the the rookie winger, would score ten tries this season. Now he hasn't, to my knowledge, he's I don't think he's only scored like one so far. So this is his chance. Um, <laughs> let's see if we can get him across the line a few times. Miles, what do you think? Um, you can cross the line as many times as you want, but I think yeah, still by thirty. Still by thirty. I think you're. I think you're quite right. Uh, you've got the next game, which is on Saturday afternoon from Sunshine Coast Stadium. It is between the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. Yes, um, Alex Johnston is going to miss this one. Um, so Jackson Paulo will replace him. Um, Latrell Mitchell back for the Rabbitohs, which is good news for them. He was given a bit of a rest last week by. Wayne Bennett, um, Jai Arrow back as well after he um, obviously breached COVID protocols um, while in the, the Maroons camp. Um, Liam Knight um, failed his HIA on Sunday, um, so he's he's not going to be playing either. Uh, Warriors, obviously the big one, Roger Tuvasacek also failed a HIA. Um, hopefully, like, God forbid, you know, HIA is so unpredictable these days. Who knows how many games he'll miss? Let's just hope he gets back before the end of the season. Um, mm, indeed. Cody, Cody Nick Reamer into the starting side at 5 8th. Um, and and Torhu Harris as well. And, and Wade Egan are now also going for the season. So it's going to be a, um, a big uphill battle for the Warriors. Uh, Jazz Tavaga replacing um, Egan and Hooker, uh, I guess, in the, the, the important appointment there. Um, uh, Rabbitohs for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's Roger Shulvasashek. Jeez, oh, I hope he plays again. I think you're right there. Good luck. Um, Torhu Harris, a big loss. He's probably the most underrated forward in the game um, in terms of his influence on a football team, in my opinion, anyway. And Wade Egan, I know you're a bit of a friend of him. Oh, sorry, a fan of him, friendy. I got my words mixed up there. Uh <laughs> I don't think Jazz Tavanga is a like-for-like replacement. Jazz Tavanga is a bit more like rough around the edges. Egan's a bit more of a schemer. So they lose a bit there too. So Rabbitohs, for me, I think is a safe bet. What do you reckon, Frenny? Yeah, I'll be tipping the Rabbitohs as well. I think Wayne Bennett will be looking for a much improved performance uh, for the Bunnies this week as well after last week. Yeah, a bit flat against the Bulldogs. Um, the only enthusiasm I really saw was from Latrell Mitchell as a ball boy um, celebrating one of the tries on the sideline. Um, I do like Blake Taff at fullback too, but he's been dropped to the reserves. You have the next game, Friendy, which is at Suncorp Stadium at 5.30pm on Saturday. It's the Seagulls and the Tigers. Can there be a, a positive tale from Tiger Town, if you will? <laughs> they may, but they do like playing at Suncorp. Uh, they have had a few wins up there of recent years, but I think uh, Manly welcoming back Tom Trebojevic, Daly Chair Evans, Jake Trebojevic. Um, everyone goes back to their regular positions with Garrick and Suli. So I think Manly are looking pretty red hot here. Their bench looks absolutely outstanding to me with Dylan Walker, who's been coming on playing that middle sort of roving role, Josh Alloa, Sean Kepi and, and Sipley. I think that bench is really strong. Um, the Tigers, obviously, they um, have a couple of guys back here, but they're more in the the twenty one man squad, the reserves there. So um, it looks like that they'll be pretty similar. 
and yeah, I'll be tipping Manly to, to win and win well. Adam Dewey he had an amazing game uh, against the Broncos, albeit it was against the Broncos. But like, the, according to the West Tigers, it was something like five try assists or something crazy like that. Uh, it makes you wonder why they moved him at all uh, to the centers because he is such a he's he's obviously a five eighth in this team. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. Seagulls uh, look like a moral here. Um, yeah, Moses surely has been playing some good football, and if he can't cut the seventeen, that's uh, that's a good sign for your football club. What say you, Miles? Yeah, it should be the Seagulls here, but they uh, they lost to the Tigers last time out uh, in Brookvale, so anything could happen. Anything could happen. And it's like, it just occurred to me, Miles, uh, the Broncos and Tigers game, that was the game that you were meant to come up to Brisbane for. Yes, yes, I was uh, just to pull back the curtain a bit for the, the listeners. I was meant to be uh, in Brisbane last week, but uh, I'm locked down in uh, in Sydney with, uh, with, with COVID. So I've missed, um, at this point... Um, uh, state of origin, uh, two Wallabies tests because I was meant to be going to that game as well in in Brisbane on Saturday and, and an NRL game. So um, yeah, fun times. This was a cool story, actually, Friendy. It was uh, so Miles had told uh, this is before you joined the podcast. Miles had told mm-hmm. us he's coming up. It's like oh cool, we all go to the the Broncos Tigers. That'll be fun. And then I found out that Kieran and Miles <laughs> had been organising to see the Wallabies and the whatever the French team's called. <laughs> Didn't yeah, invite yeah. Bo. Um, and fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I hate rugby union. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it is yeah. like, would have been nice. Yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. It's all good. Uh, we'll have to, well, now that we've got four members in the podcast, we'll have to aim for something as well in the future. Let's see what we can do. Uh, in the sure. meantime, let's talk about the, uh, the double header essentially at Suncorp Stadium. Straight following that game that you just talked about, Friendy, is the Panthers and the Broncos. Well, Jerome Luai returns for the Panthers, so that pushes Matt Burton back to the centres. The team automatically looks better. Um, Tyrone May, I had some my doubts about him playing halfback, but he had some really, really nice touches against the uh, the Warriors on the weekend, albeit an understrength Warriors after their two early injuries. But uh, man, they've they've got a good team. Um, so uh, the Broncos, not much to write home about in terms of changes. Uh, Xavier Coates is. Back available ish. He'll be he's named amongst the reserves. Um, yeah, not much else to write home about. It's got to be the Panthers here. Friendy, would you would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, Panthers and by lots. This could be carnage. I think lots and lots and lots. Miles, what do you think? Yeah, Panthers by um, by many, by many, 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 many. Do you reckon the Dragons have much of a chance in a home game on Sunday afternoon from the Gold Coast against the Gold Coast. Uh, they, they have a bit of a chance. Um, there's look, there's been a ton of changes. Uh, obviously, those re- weird rolling suspensions for the Dragons. So, I'm just going to read out the team um, from one to thirteen. It's Dufty, Pereira, Beal, Ramsey in the centres. I don't think I've seen him there before. Um, mm. uh, Fagai, uh, Sullivan, Hunt. Laurie, McCulloch, Kerb, Bird, Sims, and Maguire. Um, interestingly enough, they're Bird back in the forwards um, now. Um, and on the interchange bench, it's Clune, Fui, Mayono, Taunoa, Brown, and, and DeBellin. Um, and for the Titans, much less uh, intrigue in, in terms of selection. Um, Philip Sammy, though, will miss, uh, as will Jamal Fogarty, which, I, I, to be honest, I think will help the Titans. Um, and, and Hooker, Aaron Clark, um, they've all, they're all missing this week. But... Um, Toby Sexton, who I, I hear that the, uh, those in South East Queensland are quite high on, he's been mm-hmm. named to make his debut. Um, 
uh, Greg Marcio as well, who, who was good on debut not long ago. He's he's back. Um, so it'd, it'd be interesting. And veteran dummy half Mitch Rain, who I think is recently brought up two hundred, is um, is back in for Clark. So some some interesting selections there. Plenty of intrigue for the Titans. Um, oh, and also um, Mo, Mo Fotowaker is is back in the the team as well um, mm-hmm. after his Origin stint. Um, Look, I think the Titans are feeling a much stronger lineup than their opponents. Um, uh, obviously, the Dragons have shuffled the deck big time, as we said, to accommodate those suspensions. And you know, I think while they were impressive enough against the Seagulls last week, I've sort of lost. Uh, I don't know whether it's in their soul, but I've, I've lost a bit of faith in in, in tipping this team. Um, and Titans have, I think, a little bit more to play for down the stretch. I, I think the Dragons have start to see the hill they have to climb especially those suspensions so i'm gonna i'm gonna tip the titans here and uh you know all, all due respect whatever is left of it to the dragons but i really hope the titans win this one because uh, i think it would be a, a big a big step in their their development to win a game against a, a similarly paced team you know at home with, with you know, potentially finals on the line to, to see them lose that i think would be a bit crushing For most of the season, I think the Titans have, or particularly Justin Holbrook, have thought that Jamal Fogarty is better than Sexton. But um, (laughs) all the word is that Sexton has been killing it in the um, in the interest up here. So it it is it is time. Yeah, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, Fogarty Fogarty's one of those just dead set regular. He seems like a really good guy. He's he's a he's a leader of men. Apparently, Uh, you know, he does the 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 basics, the one percenters. He'll compete. He's one of those sort of halfbacks, like a Shane Perry. And Shane Perry ended up winning a comp with the Broncos in two thousand and six. So you never know. But Sexton looks like the real deal. Uh, And if they can if they can embrace him, then they're going to go well. Much like Jaden Sullivan at five eight for the Dragons, who I'm equally keen to see, particularly outside of a an informed Ben Hunt, who will be more than happy to lead this team around and and run the show while Sullivan just does what he does and Dufty does what he does on the back of that. Uh, I wouldn't write off the Dragons here. Jack Burden, the second row, is a good get as well. But I'm too am going to go with the Titans just with not much confidence. What about you, Friendy? I'm the opposite, guys. I'm with the Dragons. I think Ben Hunt, is he's come of age this year. I think the captaincy's done wonders for him. I love Jack Bird in the back row, and, and I think the Dragons' pack this week um, looks a lot better. Many um, Much more hard-working than, than the Titans, who are a bit flashier in their forward pack. So I guess uh, contrasting styles, and we'll see how we go, but I'll go with the Dragons. One thing I, I just kind of glossed over, but I, I didn't really, um, I just sort of noticed is that Josh Kerr has made the move back into the middle after spending most of the season on the edge to accommodate Jack Bird on the edge. So uh, I think that's actually a pretty good move, Friendy. Yeah, much better for mine. I, I really like Jack Bird closer to the action. So I think he could make a, a really good either edge or, or lock. So um, I think it's, yeah, a move looking towards the future. And I think they'll, they'll do really well on Sunday. And there's a double header on Sunday from Seabus Stadium, uh, Seabus Super Stadium, I should say, at the Gold Coast. And you have the last game between the spirited Bulldogs and 
also the spirited sharks i suppose <laughs> yeah they, they were spirited last week to be honest the bulldogs they they had a bit more of that mongrel about them i guess so they welcome back jeremy marshall king so he'll add a little bit of spark for them out of dummy half um which puts sione katoa back to the extended reserves so um it, a few guys sort of moving around here so luke thompson switching to lock josh jackson back on an edge um which Joe Stimson comes in on the bench for them as well. Um, there's a few changes there for them. So it looks like the Sharks as well, They'll Aiden Tolman will be out after his just... I, I can't even believe he was charged for that, to be honest. Um, his high <laughs> tackle on Xavier Savage. Uh, yeah. Toby Rudolph will, will go to lock in replace of... Sorry, Toby Rudolph will move from lock to front row, um, which I don't mind that. I, I'm a bit of a fan of Toby, and I think he gives mm-hmm. him that bit of leg speed. So um, Jack Williams will come into starting lock for them. Um, it's a it's not as foregone a conclusion as people might think. I don't I, I don't think, but I, I'll be tipping the Sharks on Sunday, Arvo. I'll be t- tipping the Sharks as well, but like you, I expect it to be a tussle, I think. Um particularly with how those forward packs match up, it probably actually matches up maybe slightly in favour of the Bulldogs. Maybe just, just slightly. Um, the back line, maybe not so much, particularly the halves. Miles, what do you make of this one? Well, I'm actually super disappointed to be missing out on the Sione Katoa Bowl with the uh, the Bulldogs <laughs> Sione Katoa ruled, ruled out for, for whatever reason. Um, it'll just be the Sharks Sione Katoa playing this week on, on the wing. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, I think the Sharks will win. Yeah, I think Katoa just got ruled out for being not very good at football. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think he's in the reserves. Maybe the, maybe the Bullocks signed the wrong one. <laughs> that would be the most rugby league thing ever wouldn't it (laughs) bulldogs thing ever (laughs) (laughs) that's um that's a a bold call uh (laughs) i like it let's let's make some bold predictions to round out this episode miles what do you have for us this week well, uh, as we know, Ryan Pappenhausen uh, has been named this week on the bench for the Storm. Um, you know, who knows whether or not he actually stays uh, or starts the uh, the game on the bench or, or at, in the number one jersey. But um, well, I think when he does get on the field, I doubt he'll waste any time in, in making up the the ground that he's... Admittedly, the ground he's lost on Nico Hines since um, it's been Hines in the one. Um, mm-hmm. I expect him to score two tries and run for 150 metres um, for, for Pap uh, against an opposition that I, I think is probably right for the picking. Sorry, Bo and Kieran. No, that's that's quite all right. Um, that, that would be quite an effort because I, I don't expect him to play much game time. So it could be like two long-range tries to get your bowl prediction up. But that's <laughs> it's Ryan Pappenhausen. It's extremely... And it's also the Cowboys. It's extremely likely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Friendy, you're you're on a roll, one out of one in a row. Um, yeah. it up until this year. So, uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I'll go the back three for Manly to score six or more tries between them. So, Saab, Garrick, and Tommy Turbo. Who are they playing against again? Playing the Tigers. Tigers. The Tigers. Goodness gracious, that would be. Like, can they extend the Tiger Town buddy documentary out to, to <laughs> take in the wrath of that? That would be something else. So, Tabojevic, Saab, Garrick to combine for six tries. Yep. Whichever way you slice it, that's uh, that's that, that'll be entertaining Could rugby be league. Um, <laughs> I've gone with something a little bit more. Um, 
optimistic. I well, that, that's fairly optimistic for the Seagulls too, I suppose. But mine is that I really like the 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 cut of Bailey beyond the Odo's jib. He's the he's the uh, the reserve dummy half uh, for the Bulldogs. He was playing against the Sharks on the weekend. He's actually the reason that Sierra Cato is not playing Miles. That's how good he is, and. Um, uh, he's he's very elusive, very sharp, and he sort of comes on against tired forwards. And I expect that, despite the fact that he'll have m- m- not too many minutes, I expect that he'll make at least five tackle breaks. He'll be he'll be given a license to go out there and wow. take on some of those some of those slower. Uh, Sharks forwards, particularly guys like Aaron Woods, and really target him around the middle. Um, it would have been even more of a lock if Aiden Tolman was still there. Like as you discussed last week, Friendy, those two together can be a bit slow moving if they're on the field at the same time. Guys yep. like Beyond the Odo would cut him to shreds. So uh, a bit disappointed that Tolman's not there, but I'm still going to back him in for five tackle breaks or more because I, I like the cut of his jib. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks very much for this episode. It's been a lot of fun uh, being surrounded by New South Wales people after a serious victory. That's always cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, against my against the storm, I've got to got to say, go the Cowboys. Go the Knights. Go the Knights. Go the Knights. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. Convert. What what, what, is, what has gone on here? <laughs> I like the same win. Did you just like blank out or something? Like, <laughs> Ponga is playing for the Knights. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. Panelists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson, and Daniel Friend, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.